Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Breakdown Podcast. My name is John Hummison. I'm your host. As always, join with me. I Why wanted, you pause right there? Because you're looking for something to say. No, because I wanted to say what we brought up in season one that I've tried to let go. Oh, you're trying to let See, it, I, it was it's the McRib for me. People kept calling me out on the McRib, so I tried to let that go. And then... I mean, nobody called... You're the only one that called me out on this thing. Well... So I was getting ready to say it, and I was like, <laughs> "No, I'm gonna let it go." If you are, if you are a dedicated follower of the breakdown, yeah, we, you should send in an email. The first one to tell us what Jaron was gonna call me, uh, you get a free ticket to heaven. We, <laughs> I'm just teasing. We have no authority to yeah, do that. We have no. You authority. get an extra jewel in your crown. <laughs> yeah, there we one go. One extra room yeah. in your mansion. Yes, there it is. But, and so. you call in the next ten minutes, we'll double your order. <laughs> For five easy payments of $129.99. I think there's a word called indulgences that comes to mind, and that didn't end so well. I thought you were going to say heresy, but I was well, like, well, it's kind of both. It's exactly the same thing. Well, we lost all the Catholics right oh, there. Oh, man. Well, uh, hi, I'm Nick Pierce. I'm the lead pastor of Calvary Chapel, Lake of the Ozarks. And Jaron over here leading oh, us off. Man. Well, loving it. No, I don't. Right. That was not well. Kicking it back to you. Uh, so if you can't tell... Um, I don't know what I have, but I got some, can I say smooth, sexy, <laughs> sultry on, so, on the podcast? So we were talking about this. This is a fun, fun little story this well, morning. We were talking about that. And I said, Hey, are you going to be okay to do the breakdown? And he goes, yeah, I'm just going to have this like smooth, sultry voice. And his wife out of like left field. Ooh, I'll actually listen now. And the look mm -hmm. she won't. She <laughs> on Jerron's face <laughs> at London was hilarious. It was awesome. It was great. So it was, it was great. So so you got something over there. I got something. That's what ha that's what happens when you have kids. They they carry it and you catch it. I think it's because you have a horrible immune system because you don't eat well, you don't sleep. It's actually not true. I have a great. I don't even know system. how you're alive some days. By the grace of God, we will come into the office <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, I didn't sleep well. Like I, I got up early, like at four or something like that. And he's like, I'd have four. my day in. Yeah, that's. I've goes, been up since I got up at twelve thirty. I'm like, that's when I went to bed. You weirdo. Yeah. It so yeah, you don't sleep well. Eh, it's okay. That's I do my right. best work on little sleep <laughs> when nobody's around. There we this go. right here. What is happening right here? Yeah. I got so much sleep last night. <laughs> that's why this is a problem. And then you, so you're on some meds. Are you taking your meds? Oh, I'm taking my meds and then some. Okay, good. I'm probably mixing things I shouldn't mix. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> This, this could get interesting. Is, Normally, I'm the wild one of like, we I'm gonna never know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to have to reel us in here. Oh, man. Where so, are we going? Hey, if you've never listened to the uh, the breakdown each and every week, we sit down. <laughs> this is not how it goes. I'm thinking if this is your I first know. one, we love you. Thank I'm almost you so tempted much. just to like press delete, just no, restart. Good. Our, our, our normal people will love this. Oh, They'll be like, that, that's, that's, my be like, oh, that, that's, that's my pastor. That makes sense. But if you're new, this is not what we normally do. Each and every week, Pastor Nick and I sit down and we bring break down uh, the the previous uh, Sunday's message. And so today we're going to break down the second week of our study through Revelation. Again, if you're new, we're, we as a church at Calvary Chapel Lake of the Ozarks are walking through uh, and studying the book of Revelation. Yeah. We're calling the series A Letter from Patmos. Um, Which I actually finally got to explain. I had you did, and I was afraid you were going to really geek out. Like, <laughs> hey, really here's out. where we, you know, yeah. like you just kind of coasted right, right That's, over it. And yeah, because it's really like okay, that it was just a place of writing, which. I kind of appreciate because sometimes in um, maybe Paul's letters, we don't, uh, that's not known. Mm. And so we have to go yeah. back through and retrace his steps and missionary journeys and stuff like that, where John just kind of said, um, and, but I think it's important to the letter because it's not just where he was at, but why he was on 
the letter, yeah. uh, on the letter, on why the- he was on the island of Patmos, um, because he's writing to a very suffering, persecuted church. And it's like, dude, I'm there with you. Yeah. And, and just that island of Patmos defends that well for us. So there we go. So what I'm about to say almost uh, negate is negated by how the the beginning of the the podcast started, but <laughs> we, we, we're trying. You know, we're pastors. You put a mic in front of us, and it just gets we wild. Just, just pull the string, especially and let us when go. it's not a Sunday morning. We have no you know timetables, but we're trying to do a, a better job with season two of being clear and concise and diligent about not picking such broad topics yeah. and 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 being very strategic. And so last week, uh, if you listen to last week. Uh, or if, if you didn't, the two things that we we kind of walked through was just some guidelines uh, yeah. for, for how we want to approach this series, not only as a church, because you did that two weeks ago on Sunday, but carried those same guidelines over into the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then we, we kind of dove into um, three theological camps yeah. uh, and kind of explored that. And so this week, uh, we're going to start off and really just dive right into the beautifully joyous topic of suffering. Amen. You know. And hold on, before you just like immediately turn off the YouTube or quit the podcast, uh, just hang with us for a second because yes, it might get a little bit rough, but I think by the time we're done, we're going to understand what suffering has to do, uh, one, for us today mm-hmm. and our lives today yeah. and, and what the tie back is. And you did a great job on Sunday, you know, and how you walk through uh, the, the second half of chapter one of Revelation mm-hmm. and making those ties together where you almost bookended um, the sermon with, hey, suffering and then suffering. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to try to talk as little <laughs> as possible, but just kind of walk you us through that. You kind of say that every, every time we do this, like, hey, I'm just going to, I'm just going to lob the question and just let you go. Well, but this is more silent. out of. Listen, I'm a pastor too. I like to talk. <laughs> but this is I just know my role. Yeah. yeah, there it is. All right. So set us up. We're talking about suffering. Yeah. It came across very bookended. Um, and honestly, not like massively intentional, um, but just understanding who John's writing to. And so when we see uh, Jesus ministering amongst the lampstands, which we, we kind of know and understand as the church, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, he, he's there. Yeah. Like, and so no matter what we're going through in life, obviously we're going to talk about suffering today, but, but the Lord is, is there and don't, don't forget that, um, through it. So anyway, okay, sorry, set us up. I was just, no, no, that just just jumping in there. That, that was the setup. Um, I was just getting ready, having my, yeah, you get the notes out and the Bible, getting the Bible open in the old Bible. Cause I I think it's, it's helpful to, you know, for us to understand, you know, you walk through, um, where do we start in verse one? Mm. Or sorry, where do we start in chapter one? Yeah. For this one, was it, uh, was it eight, nine? Oh no, we started at nine. We started yeah, at nine and we went all the way to the end of one. I was thinking you meant something sorry, more no, no, like no. metaphorical, like <laughs> no, no, we actually, in a place of hurt. No, Nick, I, literally, where did we? we yeah, started, what verse? What we verse? We started nine, ver- yeah. verse nine. We're being so philosophical about so, it. <laughs> yeah, because we talked about that. Um, and so, just for context, if you haven't listened to the sermon, you're more than welcome to. You don't need to. We, we're trying to make it that way, but yeah. I think it's helpful for us just to understand contextually where we're coming from. So, just real quick, I'll read what you preached on. And then we'll, we'll dive into suffering. So revelation chapter one, verse nine says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and in the kingdom and the, the 
oh man, we need more light in here. <laughs> and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on the account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice saying like a trumpet, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches in Ephesus into Smyria and to Pergamum. Pergamum. Here we go. Yeah, there you go. Into Thyatira there it is. and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the lampstands was like a son of man clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace and his voice was like the roar of many waters probably how mine sounds right now <laughs> i was gonna make the joke <laughs> if you weren't <laughs> in his right hand he held seven stars from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in full strength when i saw him i fell at his feet as though dead but he laid his right hand on me saying fear not i am the first and the last and the living one I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and to the seven golden lampstands, to the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. That, that was really good. Thank you. I was at the end. I was like, I don't even tell if I want to make it. <laughs> Very good. Great job. So as we're walking through those verses, so nine uh, verse nine of chapter one to the end, um, you, you walked through uh, setting up um, where our hope mm. when, when we're looking strength, perseverance and hope where do those come from in the midst of suffering persecution yeah. trials and tribulations um and and you walked through just a couple th um it comes from jesus christ who fills us who cleanses us who prunes us who inspects us and who cares for us yeah. all for the purpose so that we will display him to the world and i think a lot of times we talked about this in episode one we forget that the book of revelation is a gift to us mm. as believers because we've bought into the lie or the world definition or whatever else of doom and gloom and times only and any, you know, any other controversial thing yeah. that comes out of that. And, and we forget the richness that we find in revelations because we, we approach it with this preconceived notion of what we think yeah. revelation is trying to say. Yeah. Cause I, I've had a couple of people come up to me, and, and even from last week, you know, last Sunday and the Sunday before we've only been at two weeks, they said, you know, what I really appreciated is you didn't come out on the front end and say, here is my theological uh, camp that yep. I'm coming from. I am a pre-trib, pre-millennial dispensationalist, da, da, da. And you can Google what those words mean. And obviously I said them really fast and quickly and with poor pronunciation, mm -hmm. just because that's not the focus right yep. now. And they said, we really appreciated that you didn't just come out and say, hey, this is what I hold to. And now we're going to walk through Revelation. I'm going to try to defend it. And and if you disagree with me at any point, then obviously we're not in there's the door. fellowship. Yeah. And there's the door yep. and you need to find some other crazy church, whatever, you know, and and completely miss it uh, for what Revelation was written for. Yeah. You know, now 
Now, is is there going to be a context of understanding Christ as judge and bringing full um, uh, divine justice upon the world? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We've talked about that, the problem of evil in the world. Um, but so when when a few people were, we asked the question in life groups this last week, hey, what did you think when you heard that we're going to study the book of Revelation? We we had a few, I don't know how that went for your life. I said, I need to get a new job. That's, that's new what job. needs to happen. I'm going to go flip burgers. <laughs> so we, we asked that and a few people said, and I appreciated their honesty, like, you know, because uh, they went directly to how they've always heard Revelation talked about, you know, at the end times and how the order of events and what's exactly going to happen. What's that matter to us? Because we are believers mm-hmm. and God will going to, yep. God's going to do what he's going to do. And I thought, you know, that's really that is true. What, what does it matter? Cause God's going to do what he's going to do. But a couple things that I thought through in this, um, and we're going to come back to like the purpose of the book and how I think he kicks off revelation one. Well, but, uh, one thought that hit me is like, so why does this matter? Why do we want to walk through the book is, is not because of a correct end times chronology, mm. but something I kind of geeked out on a lot of major Christian cults, that have plagued our country, at least in the modern <laughs> concept of it. And I'm thinking of, and you know, I'll name them because it is what it is. I don't know if you were alive at this time, but uh, down in Waco, Texas yep. with the Branch Davidians yep. and David Koresh, you know, his main teaching, and again, he had seminary trained people mm-hmm. that fell for this. Um, his main teaching was on Revelation, yeah. the seven seals. And so when you look at a lot of major cults of Christianity, Revelation is used to bring about deception and, and this cult-like theology uh, to, to try to platform themselves and their beliefs and different things like that. And they just have a gross misunderstanding yeah. of it, which I love when we talked about the first week, like we're going to ground us, we're going to anchor our understanding of revelation through an expositional constancy, yep. meaning like 70% of revelation is referencing back to the old Testament. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to, we're going to allow God's word to interpret God's word. That's a key part of Bible study is context. Let the, let the word interpret the word. And so, and so I think that's key because, uh, it's not that we are trying to look at different counterfeits mm-hmm. and seeing which one's the best or no, no, no. We're going to look at the truth and that's going to guard us against any other counterfeits because the, the book of revelation has been used so inappropriately yeah. within cults of Christianity. Yeah. And so we we're going to be on guard to that. Um, I think it does handle the problem of evil. Well, so like mm-hmm. why does God allow all this evil to happen? Why does he do anything about it yet? And we, and we've talked about that. And then I think the key for us that we really see here is in the midst of suffering. Yeah. And that's what I love when John gets through the, the greetings and the hellos and he gets right into the vision of, of Jesus at there at verse nine, he says, I, your brother and partner in the tribulation. And now again, this isn't the great tribulation. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how that seven year period is going to be defined later. You know, Jacob's sorrow or Jacob's affliction, the seven years of tribulation, uh, Jesus in chapter two, and I think also in seven calls it the great tribulation. Mm -hmm. And I try to use the analogy Sunday of like the great depression. Yeah. You know, the great depression is a very distinct time in American history. Now, are there things that happened in the great depression that people still struggle and work with? Yes. Like, and not just like depression, but like some of the things that caused the great depression, we still have those today, even though they're not in the 
great depression. And so, uh, so we're still going to have tribulation. And Jesus said that in John 16, 33, mm-hmm. like in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have affliction. You will have trouble. You will have problems. You will have suffering, but take heart of overcome the yeah. world. And, and I feel like John, um, I feel like I don't like those words. Uh, tell me we, how you feel, Nick. Yeah, tell me how tell you, me feel, how you really feel. How I feel. Um, we <laughs> see that John is writing to a church, capital C, and I think it's these seven that he is uh, intentionally overseeing. He's writing to them, and he knows that they are walking through some serious suffering, mm-hmm. trials, and persecution. And anytime, let it be these guys here in Revelation that John's writing to. So this is kind of one of those moments where we're approaching it as an epistle. You know, just like Paul would be writing to churches, uh, a little small geek out. Paul wrote to seven churches as well. If you look at his letters. So you have Rome, Corinth, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Thessalonica. Those are the seven churches that Paul wrote to. It's moments like this that I don't enjoy doing the podcast because <laughs> I feel less than all of a sudden like, I should know that. Um, yeah. All you have to do is, is I have about five commentaries that I read. Just walk through. Yeah. I wasn't born with that knowledge. It wasn't like, hmm. what was Nick's first word? Seven churches. <laughs> Paul and John. So, John, so we're, we're reading at this point, we're studying this as an epistle. Like this is John writing to real churches that are going through real issues and, and then we're able to understand that and the same comfort that he gives them. And, and that's what we're going to see in the next couple of chapters as he kind of addresses the pastor of each church mm. and some of the characteristics of their church. We, we get to look and, and kind of in a, uh, in a way we get to see ourselves as, okay, so how are we like Ephesus? How are we like Smyrna? How are we like Pergamum and Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea? Like, um, where I think he's writing to specific churches, but he's also writing to the church where we can, we can fall into the same issues that they are having. Yeah. And the overarching of all of them, regardless of their individual concerns and struggles that they're having, which again, chapters two and three, we'll walk through that, is these are Christians that are under heavy persecution. And, and we know that. Um, not only from scripture, cause like even Peter kind of prophesies, like you will, this will happen. And John's writing and is like, and here we are. Remember mm-hmm. what Peter said type of a thing, but also you can look at, um, Roman and Greek history or Roman and Jewish history. And you'll be able to see that same kind of thing with Nero or Domitian and, and a couple of these different Roman emperors. And, um, and some of them, it wasn't their main thing, but there's definitely enough evidence that shows Mm. that the persecution against the Christians, I mean, even Nero lit the whole place on fire and wanted to blame the Christians for it and, and different things. And so, so, and, and, and the same for us, anytime suffering or trials or troubles hit our life, let's just, if we can be a moment of transparency and honesty here on the podcast, we all struggle with understanding the purpose and the reasoning behind this. Cause we yeah. say things like, well, why is this happening to me? Or, mm-hmm. you know, um, in very small moments of, uh, let's say suffering, just cause that sounds uh, far more biblical when, when little things at home don't go my way, mm-hmm. uh, I, I have a tendency to say that's my life, you know, and we're mm-hmm. talking like very little things, like little things like 
petty things. Petty things. Like, <laughs> oh, there's a small drip leak. And then when I go to try to find whatever tool that I need, I can't find it. Then I stub my toe and ah, that's my life. That's you know, like it can't just be one thing. The fact that you have the tool to fix it, yeah. you just can't find it. <laughs> yeah. It'd be like, that's my, and I say it all the time. And, and my wife, who is just such a helpmate and an encourager, well, I love our lives together I, and it's like it's not what i'm talking about woman like, no the context yes not- come on i'm talking about the bad things that happen to me right now in this <laughs> in this very minute moment and it's just like and, and at times i think the churches and we do that as well we get so focused on the very small minute moment of our life that something bad is happening and we we absolutely lose full sight uh, of an eternal purpose a divine mm. purpose and an eternal perspective of our lives yeah And it's just like, and if we can, um, continually reminding ourselves of that, set our, set our heart, set our mind on things above, not on things in the earth. If we continually look at our lives through the lens of the gospel, through the lens that Christ is absolutely sovereign and in control and nothing is happening in our lives outside of his sovereign knowledge and will and understanding, um, that is a comfort to us walking through, Yeah, you know, um, and and that's him shepherding us where there's a great, uh, uh, teaching on Psalm 23, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Like the shepherd's going to do a little some, force to it. Yeah. A little force. You're going to lay it, down yeah. here. And, and there's things that the, like even modern now there's things that a shepherd's going to do to his sheep that they don't understand what's going on. Like mm-hmm. there's <clears throat> one guy was talking cause my knowledge of sheep it's pretty low. You know, they didn't, you don't have sheep in your backyard. Yeah. Sheepology uh, was not mm-hmm. a class I had to take in seminary. Um, mm-hmm. but a, a shepherd will take a sheep and he has to dunk them like three times in some kind of solution to keep bugs and gnats and different things off of them. Yeah. But that sheep has no idea what's going on. You're going to walk them up this alley or, th- or this little, uh, uh, ramp or whatever. You're going to throw them in a tank and oh, then man. you're going to dunk them once. And they're going to come up and their eyes are like, what the heck's going on? And at the moment they get a small breath, he's going to sink them right back. And he's going to do it three times. By that third time, you know, that sheep's biting and just oh, howling and mm-hmm. yeah. And then he pulls them out and dries them off and, you know, gives them, Oh, you're a good little sheepy. I don't know if sheep and shepherds do that with their sheep. I, I assume that, you know, cause that's how my Maybe. kids act towards my dogs. Maybe. But, um, and we see that and it's like, and at times we think like, what is the shepherd doing to yeah. me? Like, why is he allowing, he's trying to drown me. And it's like, no, you don't understand. It's actually a protection yeah. that he's wanting to do something in you, that he's wanting to strengthen you to heal you. He wants to bring restoration or he's wanting to protect you from, you know, something else that we don't even see. But again, when we lose sight of the eternal perspective, we get so focused on the, the here and now of what's going on in our life, especially when we hit bad things. Mm-hmm. Like I can quickly become oh, yeah. a practical atheist real quick. Be like, don't you love the Lord? Yes. But my life right now, it feels like there is no God. There is no love. There's nothing. Yep. There's no, you know, and that's, and that's a real struggle. And so John's writing to this church and saying, calm down. Everything's fine. Well, what's crazy is coming out of Sunday. Like one of the things that I was super convicted of is we're supposed to go to the, we're supposed to go to the Lord for our strength, our perseverance, our hope, our, our joy. Um, 99% of the time <laughs> I go to the Lord to grumble and complain and ask, do you know what you're like? Are, are you aware of what you're doing? <laughs> do you need help? You know? And it's like, and, instead of that shift in focus, yeah. 
shouldn't be me centered for like I make a terrible God. I make a terrible God. I, I yeah. don't need to be making those I decisions for that. Yeah. For that. <laughs> Everybody would, my wife would, my kids would, <laughs> you know, but to walk in and be like, yeah. Lord, I know like in this, you're doing something. You're mm. making me more like you. You're, yeah. you're, you're stretching me. You're growing me. And it sounds, it sounds very sadistic Yeah, that a good loving God mm-hmm. would, would do things that cause us grief yeah. and pain. And I'm using air quotes if you're not watching you're on not YouTube. Watching, there's a lot of air quotes happening right now. Because I even felt that way on Sunday, yeah. you know, as you were talking like at the beginning of your message and, and we made a clip for social media that even talked about that. But just like, that's evil. Like yeah. that to me is a definition of evil. Like you would you would hurt me. You would allow pain and suffering in my life for, for your end. Yeah. But it's that's not the correct yeah. You know, view of it. And, and so we, we, we hit this moment of suffering, pain, persecution, trial, trouble, whatever you want to call it, affliction. We hit this moment and we immediately have this, why God are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Put my life back to the order yep. that I liked. I don't want to do what you want to do. Yep. I don't want to walk through this. And I get that. Like there's times like, and I'm not talking like you can't find a parking spot at Walmart. Okay. Like I'm but talk- sometimes it's, it, <laughs> it's been a day and you're like, I just need to go get some groceries yeah. and you made me park all the way at the end of the parking lot. You know, there's, there's those times where it's like, Lord, I don't want to walk this road. And, and then, so not only do we question God, then we have the audacity to ask him, no, no, no. Remove the thing that Mm. you want to use to try to create me into who you want me to be. And so just such a, (laughs) the fact that we'd have the audacity to ask that. Yeah. And we do all the time. Lord, I don't want to walk this road. Mm. Change, change my life, change, change what's going on, change this person. I don't want this. And it's just like, and the, and the Lord, the whole time, like, like a good shepherd standing there and says, no, here's, here's green pasture. Mm. Here's still waters. Yeah. You, I'm going to make you lie down. So, <laughs> and so, uh, I love what Peter says. First Peter four, 12, my microphone's on the way. So I gotta hold it up. <laughs> Beloved, so that word, you know, we always kind of hear that and think, I would never walk up to a full grown man, you know, covered in tats and just like a man's a man be like, hello, beloved. <laughs> but I have started addressing some people in the congregation that way. <laughs> like the accepted. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so beloved, those that are personally experiencing the love of God, that's what beloved means. So we're talking to the believers. Do not be surprised. Don't be shocked. Don't be surprised. Don't be dumbfounded. Don't be like, wow, I never thought. I can't believe. Yeah. Like it's almost like go into this life with Christ with some understanding here. So don't be surprised at the fiery trial, not the smooth calming fire. Like when I think fiery trial, I think of poison ivy, right? What more fiery trial could there be? There's nothing. (laughs) Yeah. That's like, I think of Job, like I'm just going to take like, uh, just pieces of pottery to scratch myself with it. Like that's how bad my life is. You know, not only have I lost my kids, I've lost all of my animals. The only thing that you haven't taken from me, you've taken my health. No, you left me with a nagging wife. Keep going, buddy. Keep Thank going. You, Lord. Thank Keep you, Lord. Keep going. Right. All the women just turned off. And just, we just lost half the yeah. audience. There it is. So do not be dis- dis- surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you mm. and the testing of our faith produces endurance. James tells us it's one of my favorite verses and see, that's the difference between testing and temptation. It can be the same Ooh. event. And this is the hard part that people don't understand. Oh, that's just the Lord's testing you. 
Or no, it, and, and the Lord doesn't tempt. Satan tempts us. Mm-hmm. But the difference between testing and temptation, temptation is something that is, is thrown into our lives to get us to walk away from the Lord, to walk in separation, mm-hmm. to walk in disobedience, to tempt us away to evil. The Lord does not tempt. Now, the Lord will bring trials into our life to test us. And a testing of our faith is always to bring endurance, mm-hmm. to bring strength, to get us to turn to him. It'll be the same thing. And so the same event will happen, but, but God will want to strengthen us through it. Satan will want to destroy us through it. So like just calling on what it is, ladies. So go back to Job. That event happened in Job's life. When his wife was saying, curse God and die, mm-hmm. that was the temptation. The to testing, walk away. Yeah, to walk away from it. The testing in the same situation, even though he had bad advice from his three friends, yep. right? But finally, the one dude shows up and, and says, uh, uh, finally, something smart, you know. But, you know, the testing is to continually trust the Lord that he is in control through this. Don't allow this situation to be a temptation in your life. Allow this situation to be a testing in your life mm. that he is, he, this is in your life and God is looking for you to respond in strength and obedience to him. So don't be surprised at this fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Mm-hmm. So when people are like, Oh, I'm so sorry that this is going on. I'm not. I'm not. Ooh. What do you mean you're not? Like, do you not understand? Like, the doctor said that you have cancer. Yeah, our bodies are fallen and broken. Our bodies are still plagued by sin. That we're not guaranteed tomorrow. That man is destined to die once. But you lost your job, though. Yeah, that's not, that's not where my identity lies. That's not where my fulfillment and my purpose of my life is. It would be your kids are walking away from the Lord. Yeah, God gives them free will. I've discipled them. I've trained them up. I've raised them up in the way that they should go. I'm praying for them daily. I'm trying to find opportunities to share not only the Father's love, but my love as a father to them. Man, how hard is that? Oh, super hard but you don't seem shaken because I'm not Yeah. because my foundation isn't in my health, my identity and work or anything else. My identity is not in the stability of my family. My stability is in the Lord. Yeah. And dude, I'm just going to say it. I, I probably the most, most feedback in a negative context that I ever got. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> That's going to be good. Is when I talked about marriage <laughs> and I talked about the husband and the wife. And I, know I going. you know where I'm going I know with this? exactly where you're going with this. My identity, Ashley does not complete me, nor mm-hmm. do I complete her. If something happened to me, my wife would absolutely be broken, but not shattered. She's going to grieve, but I don't complete her. Mm-hmm. She is complete in Christ. Now, is that going to be a different season of life for her? Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Back out on the market single and ready to mingle baby right that's going to be a different life for her but all is not lost yeah she lost her husband but she didn't lose her identity you can't lose the lord 
you, you know, that um, blanking on that Jim Elliott quote, you know, there's, we, we shouldn't be so scared to lay down our lives because we, we can't lose what we can't lose. Like can't lose the Lord in yeah. this. And so, and so the same thing, if something happens to my wife, absolutely going to be broken. That is going to be a season of grief and I'll never get over that. Yeah. There will always be a sense that that I lost my wife and that's going to be very painful. And, and I don't even want to be, uh, uh, I don't know if glib is the word. I don't want to be insensitive to someone that is a widower. Like that is a very painful process, but their identity is in Christ, you know? And so, uh, we're not talking about the small, like we're talking about real big life changing things. You know, don't be surprised at that. And if we can respond in that, we need to be able to respond in even the little things. Like yeah. if God is in control to allow these big things, then even the little things, the little low hum frustrations, uh, sufferings that we have in this world, like it's hard at times, you know, like, you know, take a, let's, let's talk like a, a college age. Like we're, we're leading a life group of college age students. You know, some of them it's like, yeah, I, Friday sucks. Let's just call it what it is. All my friends go out partying. And I know that's not what I need to be doing. Yeah. And so there's a sense of suffering and persecution that, you know, they might get teased a little bit. Oh, come on, you goody two shoes or you little church boy or whatever. Or at least it is. come out with us and don't drink and that yeah. never works. Oh, you never. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Missionary partying, whatever. And so, you know, there's always, there's going to be even that low level of like, okay, no, I want to honor the Lord with my life. And here we go. Or, you know, put them in a dating relationship. Yeah. Stand for your purity today in this culture, <laughs> married or not mm. stand for your purity and tell me like if you, if you are not suffering in any context within a sexual purity in this culture, you're probably not walking in sexual purity. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jerron, just, if you're not Hi. watching, he just walked away. <laughs> like Dude, we live at the lake mother's day. We went to a oh, yeah. lake establishment cause my wife just wanted a nice lunch, relax on the water, on the water, let the kids swim a little bit. And again, you can't control mistake. <laughs> we turned the corner and my oldest daughter said, well, cheeks are out <laughs> Welcome to the lake. and it was like, it welcomes to the lake and here we are, but we're going to go. We, we order, we're going to spend time together as a family. We're going to pray before our meal. Uh, I'm not going to name the restaurant, but they absolutely butchered our order and not in a good way. Like it was, it was like a really frustrating kind of a thing. And the waitress just felt horrible. And it was like, it's okay. I said, I'm not mad. I know it's not you, yeah. you know, things happen. Like I, I'm hoping that the guy in the kitchen or the girl in the kitchen isn't there being like, I just want to wreck everybody's mother's day today. I don't like, want to be here today. Yeah, so I'm just going to mess everything yeah, up. I want to watch the world burn. Like dude, <laughs> things happen and we're going to respond well, you know, and, it, it, but how many times have we seen good, loving Jesus Christians get something wrong in their order lose and they lose their ever loving mind? Oh my goodness. And, and it's hard because you want to at times. It's like, can I not just come to a, 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 a decent meal to celebrate my wife and what she wants to do and you can't even get chicken wings right? Like, what the heck? And it's yeah. like, the chicken wings, man, just calm it down. That's not even a fiery trial, yeah. you know, no matter how much hot sauce they put on. But so we're, we're there and it's like, yeah, Th trying to walk in purity in that. And so, you know, there's, and, and my wife knows like, Hey, I really don't like to hang poolside. Uh, 
you know, yeah. not my, not my favorite, not favorite jam, you know, the girls will swim, stuff like that. So like me and my son, we went around the corner and just watching boats go by shaded area. Plus I don't like to be in the sun ever since cancer. Like I just burn like a, oh my God, this is well, bad. If we go out and we're in the sun, Nick's always like, where's the shaded spot? Oh, I gotta find the shaded absolutely. Spot. Dude, I'll stand next to a tall guy. <laughs> sir, don't move, please, sir. Yeah, wait, I will hold on. be like, Hey, I don't know who you are, but man, you are producing some amazing <laughs> shade right now. You are, you are a tool of the Lord. Thank you. Uh, so I just I just walk around with that family for the rest of the day. It's hey, beloved. Fun. Yeah, hey, beloved. <laughs> I like the shade you got here. But you know, it, it, it there's going to be it's going to be hard because the temptation is going to be there. Oh, just one more little glance, one more little look, and it's like you can't help the first look. We turn the corner, and Kay's like, <laughs> you're not looking. Like, oh, there, there we go. Yeah, it's like you can't help the first, but you can't help the second or the third or like. Oh, I'm hey, not hurting anybody. Hey, honey, I need to go to the restroom real quick. No, you really just want to walk by that table again. Yeah. You just want to get one more glimpse or whatever. And and so there's that situation that either it can be a temptation to pull you away or it's a testing to say, you know what? I don't need to look at any of that. I'm going to go watch boats, you know, so I'm going to go watch boats. And it was great, you know, and that's just, but it, it's a struggle, even in the little things like you can't stand in the line at Walmart and you just Facts. look over last night happened to me. Oh, that's even, yeah, you were talking about that. That was just people. I was even just talking about like the, not even like the dirty, dirty magazines, but I'm just talking like the, the Cosmo and all those. Oh, that, yeah. yeah. Take this quiz. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I wonder how many women we just ticked off right there that read those magazines. And it's like, hmm, just understand what you are allowing into your homes and the temptation that you're putting before your husbands, mm-hmm. you know, but to stand in line at Walmart and to see, to see that, like, yeah. It's like, well, it's not that magazine. It's like, it doesn't need to be because it's, it's stirring and trying to awaken something in us that we are continually trying to kill. Yeah. And it, it doesn't need to be the worst, most grotesque. It just needs to be enough to awaken. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, try to, try to live for sexual purity, married or not married or not. We're both called to live in sexual purity in this culture. And if you're not suffering, if you're not feeling a little bit of person, like if there's not attention in that, you're probably not walking in sexual purity. And that's just one area of our life. Yeah. You know, l- try to go, uh, without any unwholesome talk coming out of your mouth. I'm out. I, I think I can make it. I wake up at like seven, seven thirty some mornings. I'm a solid seven Oh five, seven Oh five. I can make it maybe five minutes. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's actually for me, it's more like four thirty. Yeah. Before anybody else up the second, somebody else wakes up, I'm done. Do you know the last thing I lost? <laughs> I would say my testimony about, I lost my ever loving mind about what that. I, you know, when you say, Hey, don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. You know what my biggest struggle was the oh, last boy. time, not the kids, not the wife. Not even the dog. You know what I screamed at the last time? What? <laughs> Rosie. Do you know what Rosie is in our house? Yes. What is it? Is it the newest addition to your house? What? It, I don't know. Maybe. See if you can get it right. Is it a new pet in your house? No, it's not a new pet. Oh, it's not? It, it is a non-living item oh, in my house. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> it's one of those automatic vacuums. <laughs> I lost my ever loving mind at because I swear this thing has a mind of its own. Like rise of the machines is what is happening when I'm in the kitchen and my amazing wife turns this thing on to come and vacuum the whole house. This thing has a heat sinking missile for you, for me, right at your, like no matter where I'm at. So I'm in like our kitchen isn't massive by any means. And I'm just, I'm working from one countertop to the, to the stove or something like that, two steps. But the whole time, 
and we, I don't know why we named her Rosie, but it's this, you know, one of those little disc vacuum things under my feet, kicking it, always bumping into me. Like I, it's like, and I just lost it. Please Over, tell me you kicked it. I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> <laughs> because, does, because I don't know what Rosie the statue, still operate? I don't know what the statue of limitations are under the law of my wife and our house. I, I was just, do we need to go buy you guys I a was, new Rosie? No, we don't need a new one. We need to get rid of the one that we have. That's the problem that we're having. I bet you I know why. I bet you I know why. What's that? Because not really. No, I, I was, was about to geek but out. But that's how, like, that's how, that's how simple and easy, uh, it can be just to try to a, a small testing or temptation where it's like, all right, patience and kindness are still a fruit of the spirit. And it's not that like, oh, I need to be patient and kind to my vacuum cleaner. But look at the testimony I just showed my kids. Ooh. That if the vacuum cleaner can cause dad to do that, I'm not talking to him. Yeah, the nonverbal communication. Yeah. I just told my kids, steer clear of dad because he's hot and ready to try and and it, they they could have came up and asked for ketchup and i probably would have lost my ever loving mind because it's like i don't want to bother Dang. dad you know and it's like and we're, we're just talking about simple little things like going to walmart trying to vacuum at the house like these are little things and it's like it, but in and all of that, let it be the big things, let it be the small things, continually knowing that Christ is in control. And even those little things, like it would be better for the kids see me laugh and be like, man, this vacuum thing, it, it, I just feel like it's always out to get yeah. me, you know, yeah. make a joke about it, but show patience. So my kids see like, good. Cause if he would have got that mad at a vacuum cleaner, imagine what he would do to me. Yeah. I, I don't want that, you know? And so there's going to be big things going to be small things, but again, trying to stay Christ centered, which we say that like, of course we're supposed to, we're the church, we're the believers, uh, followers of Jesus. We need to stay Christ centered. Well, that's how you do it. And the small little things of, you know, sexual purity, unwholesome talk, and you just keep going on and on about what God wants to see in us in simple, plain obedience in our yep. normal everyday lives. And something I said Sunday, I think this is what impacted me the most. You know, if we only run to God in those really big moments, the losing a family mm -hmm. member or spouse or whatever like that, uh, cancer diagnosis, lose, like if we only run to the Lord in those big moments, it actually shows how low of a view of God that we have. Yeah. Like, Hey, I am, I'm only going to need you in the three, maybe three to five big events of my life outside of that. Like I got this. You're my genie God. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Cause we're, I mean, for most of us, we're going to have three to five big events that are going to happen in yep. our life. Pretty much right, th right, right there. And if that's the only time we run to the Lord and that shows how low of a view God that we have, but Lord, I'm going to this lake restaurant. Just give me eyes for you. Mm. You know, I don't want to be sitting there trying to celebrate Mother's Day with my wife. And she's looking at me like, am I not enough that you have to get another glimpse? Mm. Help, help me defend my wife's honor. She's probably already thinking that she, in the yeah. culture that we live oh, in. Oh, yeah. Help know. me defend my wife's honor. Help her defend her value yeah. by my actions. You know, let me show my kids patience and kindness. You know, in little things, like when we, when we continually run to the Lord in those little things, it's, it's not this massive prayer, prayer group. It's not like I sat in the car for 15 minutes and just like bawled before the Lord, before I got out and walked into the restaurant. 
literally we're walking down the stairs. And once my daughter said, whoop, cheeks out, I said, Lord, be with me. Because I know my heart, my tendency. Yep. I know me. I'm, I'm still a fallen, sinful, even though redeemed, yep. full of the Holy Spirit. Old Nick would love nothing more than to awaken back up to some of these things. And it's like, nope. Yeah. So, so when we run to the Lord only in those big things, it shows how low of a view of God we have. But if we continually run to him in everything, no matter how big or small they are, it actually shows how high of a view of God we have. Because I don't want to go to lunch to celebrate my wife without the Lord. Mm. I don't want to try to cook dinner in my kitchen without the Lord. Yeah. Because it's actually in those small little things um, that I lose it. Yeah. And so why, why does the enemy need to bring more destruction and suffering into my life when I'm already falling to the small little things? Mm. You're, you're already losing your testimony. You're already missing it. You're all like, you know, again, when we are, when we are truly sold out for Jesus, living for him, that's when we're going to come under the most attack. And that's why I think Peter's saying here, don't be surprised by that. Yeah. You know, and so going back to Revelation, what we were talking about with Jesus, um, the part that really stood out <coughs> to, to my wife even was talking about the pruning. Mm. He doesn't prune the branches that don't bear fruit. He prunes the branches that bear fruit. So if you're doing a good work for the Lord, if you're, if you're really leading and living your life the way that you are called to by the Lord in, in accordance to his word, like he's going to prune that because yeah. he's going to want more out of that instead of, you know, if he's leaving you be, and there's no pruning or anything in your life. Yeah. You're probably not living for the Lord. Yeah. You know, and so, and so John, I think is writing and telling these churches that like you're right where you're supposed to be. Well, it hurts. Exactly. It's supposed to, it's supposed to yeah. pruning doesn't sound fun, but when's the last time we ever ran up to the Lord and say, my life is too comfortable. Can you prune yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> my life's too comfortable. Can you, can you bring something into my life? That's going to cause me to be far more dependent upon you than I am right now. Yeah. Nobody prays that. You know, or you're crazy if you do. Yeah, we we only take prayer requests and we talk about the bad things that are happening in our life. And then if somebody has the the doozy of a prayer request, we don't even want to bring up the minute things. But when's the last time you've been in a, any kind of a prayer group and somebody said, you know, you know, Pastor, my life is super comfortable. I got a great job. My wife is super hot and loyal. My kids are so obedient. Like the, the church that we're a part of is just solid and healthy. Uh, could we, could we pray that the Lord would bring something into my life that di would disrupt the comfort and the ease that's going on so that it, it could cause in me an opportunity to trust in him that I don't have right now. We kicked that person out of whatever group we were part of. Yeah, like, I'm not coming back to like, this I don't know. I want you into my church. Yeah, like, yeah. But, but honestly, that's what we believe though. Yeah. We believe that when there's no pain, no hurt, no suffering, oh, now I'm in the goodness of the Lord. And it's like, actually. It's the opposite. The complete opposite. Yeah. And so why do we try to do this in our lives? Like, I, I, I love the line. It's not, you know, we talk about suffering and how God uses that to, to mold us, to shape us, to transform us. The question isn't, why is there so much suffering in the world? Specifically Ooh. talking to believers, why isn't there more? Yeah. You know, 
And I think why there's not more is because the Lord knows us, that he's not going to be, he, he knows what we're able to handle and what we can carry and not the whole mentality of God won't give you more than you can handle. No, 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 no. That's a lie. But he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to destroy you. Now, does he want to burden you to a degree? Does he want to put a weight on us that we would turn to him? Yeah, absolutely. But it's not going to be so heavy that it's destructive. You know, like there's a difference between, you know, if you're lifting weights, like, um, this is no small, humble brag, but I, I feel confident that I could probably bench press a hundred pounds. Okay. Small flex. I got the bar. I got the bar. The the bar is 45 pounds. I believe. Right. (laughs) I I could guarantee you can guarantee the bar. I can guarantee the bar. Okay. So if I wanted to train to get stronger, I'm not going to go and put 300 pounds on the bar. That is an impossibility. Like I most likely couldn't even get it off of the rack. Mm-hmm. And and so if I had somebody that was spotting me and had to help me do that, the moment that they let go, my, my pip squeak arms would snap. <laughs> the bar would crush my sternum. <laughs> You'd be dead. My lungs would explode out the side of my chest. <laughs> and, the, and the only thing that you would see is my spine and the bar would just be teeter tottering <laughs> back and forth. And then I got to stand before the Lord and, you know, Peter like and all that here. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Peter, I got, I got crucified upside down. Paul, uh, I got <laughs> beheaded. What happened to you, Nick? Bench press. Bench press guys. You didn't know about that. Did you? Yeah. Jesus carried his cross. <laughs> you know what I can't carry bench press bar right there, you know? And so you're not going to walk in and just throw this kind of weight because you want to get stronger. You're going to start small. And there's going to yeah. be little things like I can, I can look back and you're, it's always going to be hindsight every time. But when you look back and look at your life and you can see where the Lord was working, you'll see where it's like, Hey, he put like 10 pounds on the bar for me there. Mm. And, and then, then he put another five pounder on there. And, and then, Oh, that was a big one. He put 20 pounds on, you know, but, but what he didn't do and you add up all that weight, he didn't put all that weight at the very beginning because yeah. I wouldn't have been able to endure that. But the testing of our faith produces endurance. Mm-hmm. It produces strength in us. And so the Lord is absolutely going to give us more than what we can handle, but he's going to give us his spirit to be able to process and work through that. But it's not going to be so much that it destroys us. Yeah. It's going to be enough that's going to cause us to cry out and, and look to him. And that's the testing of it. Or Satan's going to say, it's too heavy. You can't lift that. Mm. You don't, why would you even want to lift that? Just leave it right there. Just leave it there. Like, you know, and, and, and not like I'm trying to push some, like be healthy and eat right and exercise. Why, why eat the salad now when you have the donut? Like it's going to make no change in your life. You go to the gym one time, you're going to look the exact same. Yeah. You eat one meal of fast food, you're going to look the exact same. It's not going to change. And, and then on the other side, if you don't go to the gym, it's not going to change. Or if you eat that salad and, and you eat healthy and not fast, it's not going to change anything. Mm-hmm. But it's the consistency of our life of that. Continually coming back to the Lord and allowing him to just to continually work in us. It's the, it's the spiritual disciplines so that when there is the trial, there is the testing, there is the suffering, we're 
adequate and equipped for every good work that God Mm. has prepared beforehand. See, we go to Ephesians and we read that verse, Ephesians 2.10, and we think it's these good works. I'm going to give money to the poor. I'm going to serve in the nursery. I'm going to do all these good things. Did you ever think the good work that the Lord has that he prepared beforehand is going to be a moment of trial and testing and suffering? No, because that would be hard. Yeah, because that would be hard. But what is far more encouraging to those around us? How encouraged are we? I mean, that's why those stories, I mean, even the atheist, like even remove the theology from it. When we see somebody persevere through suffering and, 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 um, uh, impossible odds or situations, we love stories like that. Oh yeah. Right. It's the same. That the, that the Lord is going to bring us into those situations. And if we respond appropriately to the testing of our faith and, and we rise to the higher level of virtues of uh, faith and courage and boldness, it's, it's inspiring to those around yeah. us. It's encouraging to those around us that it's actually going to draw more people to him because of that. I mean, I had no idea. How could you ever live through something like that? How did you keep your faith? Yeah. Wait, I didn't keep my faith through this because of what he did two days before I was able to keep my faith through cancer because of what he did six years before Mm. when he first put five pounds on the bar. And then as we worked through and so like even for me, so we, we went from, uh, I had a really good pediatric job to then I go back to school. I'm working crazy hours. Um, just my wife, for all intents and purposes is pretty much carrying the house. Just we're both under a lot of stress in that, but the Lord was faithful. And like, I I think our marriage and everything was, it was very rock solid at that time. And then we move our family. Like we trust the Lord to move eight hours away from our family, which was like, I remember when we moved from St. Joe to Harrisonville, it was like an hour. Oh, you would have thought I took their daughter to Kenya. <laughs> like we're never going to see her. It's an hour. It's like an hour and 15 minutes South. Like we're still in Missouri. <laughs> like what do you, you know? And then so that we, but then how were we able to move then eight hours away? Well, cause, and then it was even there when not surrounded by biological family, anything like that. That's when we got diagnosed with cancer or I did when I say we, but I uh, mean, my wife, one flesh, one flesh, one flesh. Yep. and so we walked through that. It's like, where did the strength and the endurance to, to stay grounded in your faith? Where'd that come from? Yeah. What God was doing 10 years before and yeah. the small things. And so could the Lord be doing something in your life right now to strengthen you, to prepare you for the good work that he has coming up for you. Yeah. But again, that we want the good work. We want the praise. We want the positive thing, but we don't want the process to get us there. Yep. And, and so John's writing and he's like, trust the process that he wants to strengthen you in and through this. Don't be shocked by it. And, and, and it always comes back to being Christ centered as well. And I love that description. So as he goes straight from, Hey, we're in the tribulation enduring it's in Christ. And he goes, even me, I'm on the Island of Patmos. Why? Cause the word of God and the testimony of Jesus, like I'm being severely persecuted because of my faith, but understand who he is. And they walked through that description of Jesus. And it's like, that's where, our comfort, our rest, our hope is found is in the person of Christ. Yeah. And so if he, if he was the one that is allowing this into my life, um, and God never wastes or hurts, Mm -hmm. there's going to be great reason and purpose and he's going to use that. And so wrapping up, I know 
wrapping up, I could talk forever on this. I think it's one of my favorite topics. Um, wrapping up Romans eight, uh, you got to read this verse, right? Cause I think sometimes people read it wrong and we know that for those who love God, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Um, and so you might hear it the other way, like God works all things together for the good. Meaning it's not that God only works good things together. He's going to work all things for his good. So he can take a horrible situation. Mm-hmm. You know, some of those one of those, some of those big moments, the three to five type style of events that are going to happen in our life that are going to be some severe suffering. He, he can take those and cause those to bring about good from them. It's not that he's only going to bring good things in our life. No, he's going to take anything in our life and he can bring good out of it, even in our sin. You know, like there's times I've absolutely walked in sin and, and suffering through the consequences of those, but God brought good out of mm-hmm. those. And so he's going to cause good. He's going to bring about good from all of those things. The kicker is that he's going to work them together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And that's where the relationship with the Lord has to be the first and the foremost thing that we're leading in. Because when we continually look to the Lord and say, all right, here's the things that are happening in my life, bring good out of them instead of no, only bring good things into my life. And I don't want that. That's like, sorry, that's not how the Lord operates. And so our, our Western American mindset of suffering within the church, I think, uh, needs a massive, uh, uh, reformation. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, we need to write up a 95 thesis, nail it to the door, nail it to the door of <clears throat> prosperity and health and wealth and say, no, like when you read, when you read the Psalms, when you read passages from the apostles and even understanding their lives, the early church, and even now, yeah. like the church, capital C, not the persecuted church, not the church in America, the church is persecuted. You know, when you read what Christians are enduring for their faith in other countries, um, it, the, the question isn't why is there suffering, but what is God doing in and through that? Yeah. And how do we respond? You know, and that's the, and that's the call of revelation. I think at the start with these churches is, you know, understand it has to be Christ centered, not program centered. It's Mm -hmm. person centered. And so many times we read revelation to get program centered. No, it's the pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, pan-trib. Like, no, 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 no. You missed it. It's the revelation of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Be person centered. Because if you can be person centered first, uh, the power and the program of what God is going to (coughs) do is going to make sense. But. Not all of us like to read Revelation that way. So mm. well, that's the, it's so kind of fun. A lot of people are like, oh, I just love this unique take that you're taking to it. And it's like, it's a biblical take <laughs> you, you mean the normal standard take that we should have? And, you know, anyway, did that hit on anything that you wanted to talk about today? Or was I just so off base? That was exactly nowhere. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I didn't. The only place that I wanted to go was, I think, because it stood out to me so much on Sunday. Yeah. Um, just the approach that we're taking to revelation to be biblically centered and laying everything down. Um, our, our construct of what suffering is, Mm. I agree. needs a massive overhaul because our, our, you know, our definition of suffering is there's no good in my life. Yeah. And even the language I was like, even just the linguistics of what you're using, um, a minute ago was we want, we want God to bring good into our lives 
and God wants to to bring about Ooh, good in our lives. Which, you're wrong with the heat. Which is not. Oh. It's, it's outward focused, not me focused. Let's say that again. Let's say that again. Your, your voice is hurting, so let me help you. It's we want God to bring good into our lives. Yep. But God wants to bring good out of our lives. Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. Because that changes. Can you, can, you, can you do one of those video uh, edits where it's just that line and put that on our That's social the only media? Thing, like, That's what we need. Two seconds. Like, okay, hey, the lead faster, he's okay. But have okay. you heard the creative faster? Listen, that's... Honestly, like that's, that's the worth the wait right there. Cause I, I think our, our Western, you know, we only know what we we've been conditioned to learn. So mm. our Western mindset is very me focused and yeah. me centered. And we see that in church all the time. And so, and I'm guilty of that. Mm-hmm. Like, Lord, I am serving you as in ministry, as, as a pastor, as a shepherd, therefore bring about good things mm. to my life. That's very me focused. When in reality, what, what scripture dictates and says is it's not that I get good things. The Lord brings good into my life, but that through whatever, in the midst of whatever that I'm walking through, that the Lord is going to bring about good things from my life Oh man! for his good, for his glory, Mm. for the furthering of his kingdom so that I can display him to the world. Because what the world expects is for me to kick the, the vacuum robot. Yeah. When in reality, when I'm walking and understanding that my kids, to go back to your, my kids are watching. And so it has nothing and everything to do with the vacuum. So good. Because what the world expects us to do in those big moments is the opposite of what we actually do. And in that moment, we get to display Mm. Jesus to the world. Yeah. Which... My mind's going a hundred miles an hour. Cause like when we say, God, we want you to bring these good things into our life. We become the standard of what is good. Exactly. And that's the problem. Yeah. And when we we define good, yeah, we define good. We become God then because if, if who defines good is God of it and between good and evil, like who is the definition of that? Where does that standard come from? So when we ask the Lord, bring good in my life uh, by my definition of good. But when we, when we surrender our lives unto the Lord, and I'm not talking to salvation, I'm talking like Tuesday, like we surrender (laughs) our lives unto the Lord and say, Hey, whatever you are doing and working in my life, bring good about from me. It is saying your definition of good. I am not God. You are God alone. You are the definition of good. Like that is actually one of his, here you go, metaphysical attributes. God is good. Bring that divine goodness out of me, that definition of what goodness. And so allow you to be the standard of my life, not allow my standard of what I think is right, wrong, good, evil. Oh, goodness. And so that's, and so for me, this is a key thing. We've talked about this, like any, any time that we're walking through some maybe gray areas of scripture or yep. like uh, different ways to interpret yeah. it, like always coming back to the character of God. And so when we say things like that, like God bring good into my life, like you just attacked his character because your definition of good is you're putting it on a higher plane than his definition of good. And your definition of good only benefits you. So what happens when, when you, you want good that benefits you, but somebody else wants good that benefits them. And those two things are, yeah, they clash. So then who gets it? Yeah. Because the reality is that's not the definition of good. And when we lay down those things and say, Lord, you are the definition of good. Mm -hmm. Those things 
are brought out of darkness and into light. Oh, that's, that's a real selfish. Yeah. That's a real selfish thing that I want. Mm-hmm. I want the Lord to bring me something that's going to cost somebody something else. Oh, man. When in reality, what it needs to cost, and this is, okay. Not, not get it, so baby. Long. Get it. Let's go. The true definition of love is not is not getting something from somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's laying yourself down for somebody else. And so in that moment, do we love the Lord enough to lay down our pride, our preconceived notions, our fill in the blank, whatever yeah. it is? Are we willing to lay it down to say, oh. I make a terrible God. Lord, I am trusting you with my life. Mm-hmm. And that's easy to say when we're a new believer, yeah. when we don't have the, the, the hard questions, the hard conversations. We haven't walked through some of mm-hmm. the tensions, the, those bigger things where we have seemingly crisis of faith, deconstructing moments yeah. um, where it feels like the Lord is crushing us mm-hmm. for not our our betterment or our good, but to just crush us because he can, because of our sin. Um, Are we willing to do that? Like, what is our, what is our definition of love? Oh, do I want the Lord to do something for me Mm -hmm. or do I want the Lord to do something in me? And I know for a fact what I, the, the good pastoral right thing to say is, oh, of course I want the Lord to do something in me, not for me. Yeah. I know that if you, if you could flash back the last 33 years of my life, it was, I want the Lord to do good for me, mm-hmm. not and, in me. And if you never, if you only want the Lord to do something good for you, he will never be able to do anything good through you because it first has to come from the good that he wants to do in you. And so when we say, Lord, I only want to do some, I only want you to do something good for me. That's the cul-de-sac, the end of the road right there. I am the destination. But when we have our hand of our lives open to him and allow him to work in us, then the opportunity is infinitely because he is infinite open for God to work his love through us. And what better relational equity that the Lord can use than for someone to share Mm. what the Lord has done in my life from a place, almost from a place of not sympathy, but empathy. Yeah. You get to walk through cancer. I can sit down with someone who's going through cancer. Yeah. I can sympathize with them. I cannot empathize with them. Mm. Now I can empathize with someone who's lost a child. Yeah. You can't. Correct. And when the body operates as the body does and we 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 take a step back from lord who the are you and we we are the hands and feet of jesus and the body operates as an eye and ear a foot yeah and we reach people that that we can empathize with and we can walk life with them not from a platform or a stage but we can walk alongside them and to say sympathy is good. We need to sympathize Mm -hmm. with people, but we can go the extra mile, empathize with them because we've walked through this situation. And I know that if I walk into a situation with someone who's dealing with cancer, I can absolutely walk beside them, but I'm picking up the phone and I'm calling you. Yeah, that's so good because you know, the Lord will, uh, deliver us through some things like I, I think of my past life and my BC days and da, 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 whatever it is. So like I have friends that, um, that some of the things that they went through that I never did. And I, and so like same kind of thing, but now let's not just in a suffering context, but even a sinful context. Like, um, I 
if somebody came to me and was like, Hey, I am struggling as an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. I could, I could sympathize, but I can't empathize. Yeah. And what's neat is when you see someone who, who is being used by the Lord within a specific context like that, a lot of times you hear their story and it's like, because I was there once mm-hmm. I was them. I was that lost. Yep dependent upon alcohol, whatever it would be, like whatever the Lord saves us from, a lot of times he'll lead us back to mm-hmm. because he has a purpose in that. And, and, and where sympathy can be strong, empathy goes more because, Hey, I know what you're going through. I've been there, yeah, you know, and, but I know a way out and his name's Jesus. Mm. And, and that's what one of my favorite sayings, and I think you broke it down way better is, you know, the gospel was never meant to stop at us, but to flow through us. Yeah, but I like it stopping at me. Yeah, because yeah, we want the good for us. We don't want the God in a, good in us, and we definitely yep. don't want the good through us. Yep. Because that, that means we have to let it go. And then we treat the gospel, we treat the goodness of God like as if there's only so much to go around. And if I don't... Uh, if I don't damn it up in my life, <laughs> then I'm going to hold on to it because I can't let it go because that means there's going to be less for me. But when I think in reality, as we continue to allow the Lord to pour into us and we let it flow, I mean, that's why it's living waters. You know, mm-hmm. the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea because there's no flow of water. Yeah. So there's nothing alive in that. Now, it's a it's a good sized body of water, but it's not living water. Yep. And how many times are we the Dead Sea because we've damned up what the Lord has done and, and not trying to be pun about the word, but how many times do we damn what the Lord is doing because we damned it up in our lives, right? Oh, I like that one. But you know, I like, I like, I'm, <laughs> it, it, because it's like, no, 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 you, you weren't supposed to, you, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to let it flow through you. You know, it, it will pour, uh, create in us springs of living water. Yeah. Like that's what he was telling the woman at the well. It's, you know, you, you thirst for water. You're like, I'm going to give you living water mm-hmm. and it's going to produce in you. So it's going to fill the need that you have. It's going to, you know, you're, you're thirsting for living water and it's going to produce in you, not just a satisfaction. It's going to produce in you living water flowing for those around mm-hmm. you. But so many times we want, nope, we're going to dam it up in our lives. And then, and that's where, you know, when there's not that, uh, that flow of it, and it, we become the Dead Sea yeah. and and bring and then we are no use whatsoever to those around us. Mm. That's been fun. Yeah, they're good. That's that fun. Ha, have fun on this one, guys. <sighs> well, hey, we'll uh, we'll be back next week for episode three of The Breakdown. Of course, uh, do us a huge favor. If you're not subscribed on YouTube, make sure and subscribe so you don't miss any of uh, not only The Breakdown, but any content we put out uh, as a church and or wow i totally my my mind is one blank and or make sure you're subscribed uh to whatever podcast app you were you were popping platform drops that's exactly right uh that you listen to but uh, we'll wrap it up for today uh thanks for uh for watching tune in if you've made it this far we'll see you guys next week